I'm here with Dr. Rose McCauley, JSI's Country Director in Liberia. Good morning, Rose. Good morning, Anne-Marie. Thank you for inviting me, and I'm happy to be here. We're glad to have you. Thank you. Liberia has been through a lot in recent years. There was a civil war, and the country was building back from when the Ebola hit in 2014. So Rose, um, I know you were working at the right hand of the Liberian government helping to rebuild the health system when Ebola struck the country. How did you see it affect the Liberian health system? Well, the Ebola epidemic seriously affected the health system, derailed the progress that was being made, and not only derailed, but also the whole health system took a back step to the extent that during the period of the outbreak, the entire health system collapsed. So after that, it took a lot of effort on the part of the government and partners to actually even re-establish the basic health services and begin to make progress again. And you worked on multiple projects during that time, including the uh, USAID-funded APC project. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, before the APC project, during the before and during the Ebola outbreak, you, yes, I was implementing the, the USAID flagship health project, the Rebuilding Basic Health Services project. And what that meant was that GSI um, project was the key support to the Ministry of Health in rebuilding the health system. So during the Ebola outbreak, we also, as GSI team, really took the, 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 the front page and assisted the ministry in many ways. After that, then the APC project came on board when we started working with Ebola survivors, using the resources we had for the survivor to leverage um, improvement in the health system. And how were Ebola survivors affected? Ebola survivors were affected in many ways. The health, livelihood, socioeconomic, in many ways. But what the APC project was concerned about was the health care for the Ebola survivors. Ebola survivors had some unique, or not necessarily unique, but some um, health conditions that were more predominant within or among the, 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 the survivors than in the general population. For instance, eye issues, um, mental health problems, and, and, and um, kidney problems. So for those conditions that needed specialized care and areas that Liberia did not have specialists for. Our project brought in specialists to assist the, the government in that light. So we brought in the specialists that treated these health, uh, the, the Ebola survivors and the general population that needed the help. So Ebola survivors had many problems, but we were not set up to address the livelihood issues, the socioeconomic issues, educational issues, but to cover the healthcare component. In Liberia, there were 
a lot of survivors from the Ebola crisis, how were they organized before JSI started working with them? Before JSI started working with the Ebola survivors, they had multiple associations that were not coordinated. There were a lot of infight. So with the coming in of the JSI project or the APC project, we assisted. First, we established a the National Ebola Care Secretariat, which was based in the Ministry of Health as a, as a unit of the Ministry of Health, so that all the activity, all the support to the Ebola survivor will be coordinated by the Secretariat. And for the Ebola survivors themselves, we assisted them financially, logistically, and technically to establish, to have local, local elections that helped them establish local chapters. And then they had an election in December of 2016 for a national leadership. So that through the national leadership, the support came into the Ebola survivors. They were able to, they were better organized so that they would reach out to their membership very easily through their uh, local chapters. And they had regular meetings that brought in members of the survivor network within the county and occasionally brought the, the brought the leadership, county leadership to the national level for national uh, meetings. Could you give an example of how the association helps the individual survivor? Well, the association was responsible for identifying or they received information of a survivor who was ailing or who was sick. And then they informed um, either the APC project and with them, we work with them then to make sure that that individual was taken to a health facility if he was able to or unable to. We also provided transportation reimbursement for those who could get themselves there. Or for some, in fact, we arranged to be flown from their location to referral hospitals. How did JSI help relieve the stigma that existed against Ebola survivors? Um, Ebola survivors suffered stigma at both community and the health facility level. Our focus was especially at the health facility level. After the Ebola epidemic, health workers were concerned, rightly so, and afraid to treat Ebola survivors. We had a story from one of the survivors who said, that he went to the referral hospital for care and he had to change his name to be able to receive care. So to us, that was important. So we realized that talking with the health workers or interviewing them, that the reason they were afraid to, to, to treat Ebola survivors was that they, could, they were not sure whether they were still infectious. So what we did was to provide training for the health workers so that they had a confidence in being able to treat even infectious cases yet protect themselves and other clients. So we did the Ebola survival clinical guidance training for 464 health workers. So by the end of this training, health workers were able to openly interact with Ebola survivors and treat, and treat them. In addition to training on the, the health care providers, we also train another code of health care providers 
who then interacted with the with the survivors in a way that they would determine if there was a mental health issue and be able to address or refer them appropriately. So we treat we train what we call a cadre of health workers known as the mental health clinicians who are who are nurses, physician assistants or midwives who go through an extensive six month training to be able to to qualify as mental health clinicians. In addition, the specialists that uh, we brought in through our program, the ophthalmologists, the rheumatologists, and the two psychiatrists, they also provided training for medical doctors, general practitioners, interns, residents, and their counterparts, so that everyone was comfortable that they could train, I mean, they could treat Ebola survivors, and yet they be clear. Rose, how did JSI support specialty care in Liberia? The JSI APC project supported specialty care, particularly for the Ebola survivors, um, in two ways. One, through uh, the subgrant to the Liberia College of Physicians and Surgeons, we brought in specialists in areas that were not available in Liberia. We brought in a rheumatologist, we brought in ophthalmologists, and two psychiatrists. In Liberia, there is no rheumatologist, or there was no rheumatologist at the time, and we have very limited uh, ophthalmologists just within the at the capital level. And we also had only one psychiatrist in the entire country, so bringing in two additional psychiatrists was a great help to the health system. The these specialists examine, treated patients at the same time they transfer skills to junior doctors, mid-level health workers, and to their counterparts. One of the key activities that the GSI collaborated with um, other agencies to implement was the cataract surgery for Ebola survivors, which was organized for Ebola survivors. Before that um, activity, there was a major concern among healthcare workers, particularly surgeons, that the eye of survivors may still have Ebola virus residing from the experience that is that happened in at Emory University. Because of that, Ebola survivors who had cataract, which is one of the complications of this, the, the, the disease, we are going blind because there was nobody could touch them. So we collaborated with a number of other organizations and in, in universities, including Emory University Eye Center, Johns Hopkins University, uh, the National Health Institute, NIH, um, Samaritan Press, and a local hospital known as ELWA Hospital. All of us together brought in specialists from Emory University who first did a tapping of the eye of the survivors to ensure that the, the Ebola virus was not within the eye before the surgery. Following that, I think a number of them were, were tapped, about 50 of them were tapped, and none of them had Ebola virus in the eye. 
So about 38 uh, um, of the survivors went underwent um, cataract surgery. And for some of them, one, one lady in particular who had had a child, had not seen her child since the child was born. The child was already two years old. So she saw the child for the first time after the surgery. And a lot of the the, the, the survivors who underwent that procedure were very grateful because for the first time they were able to see in the past two years. But it was not only for survivors. Also, other uh, um, patients benefited from that. So in total, there were about there were over 75 uh, patients operated within that week, and about 50% of those were Ebola survivors. So that area was also something that not only did it help the existing survivor, but it also contributed to science that you know you can do this with caution. That surgery is possible for patients who have who survive from Ebola outbreak. So also um, specialty area was the mental health. So in addition to treating uh, mental health patients or individuals who need the help, we also train the mental health clinicians. As I said earlier, 38 of them we train under that project. And currently we are training additional 22. So in total, by the end of the APC project, we have trained um, 60 mental health clinicians who will be up, who will be um, screening and treating patients at the at the frontline level. In addition, we also provide a refresher training on, for health workers, for about 200 health workers who had been trained in the WHO mental health gap course called the MH gap course. How will the mental health clinician training program continue on? We've been working with the with the institution, the Phoebe School of Nursing program, to institutionalize the mental health clinician training as one of their post-basic training courses. They already have two basic training courses, one being um, the nurse midwifery program and the nurse anesthetic program. So the idea is that by the end of our support, that the institution will have incorporated mental health clinician training within their institution so that it will become part of the post-basic training courses. We work with them in developing, costing the course, how much it will cost to, to have it done, to run it for the one year or two years that will be running. And they submitted a budget to the government. I understand there was a, an allocation of about a million dollars for mental health. So the hope is that in the near future, by the time our support to the current cohort is completed, that the institution will be able to continue as part of their regular courses. Thank you. I understand that JSI also helped to improve some infrastructure within the Liberian health system. Can you explain how that helped? Yes, it helped tremendously. Let me start with the National Referral Hospital. The National Referral Hospital did not have an outpatient infectious disease clinic. It was the JSI project that renovated one of the buildings that was on that campus as um, 
the outpatient infectious disease clinic. So now that clinic is running on a regular basis. In addition to that, we also renovated laboratories and equipped them. One being the referral hospital in the northern part of Liberia, Telaway Hospital, which is now one of the up to I mean up state of the art laboratories in the country. We renovated um, a building and created um, an operation room for the eye center at the Redemption Hospital. We also established reliable water supply system in two hospitals that are actually in the county that, were, that was the epicenter for the Ebola outbreak, Lofa County. We established a water system at the Kolahun Hospital as well as the Foya Bama Hospital. These two hospitals have never had reliable water supply system. One of the hospitals were in fact unable to do a boho, so we had to establish a rainwater harvest system. We brought in a tank that is able to hold up to 90,000 gallons of water, and that tank is, it has been um, installed and they have already collected, they were able to collect rainwater filled that, uh, um, con that tank. So the hospital will have running water 24-7 and throughout the year. And can you explain why that is so important? Well, water supply to a hospital is key. And particularly if you are speaking of infection prevention and control, there is no way that you can prevent infection if you have no running water. People have to wash their hands, they have to clean the instruments, they have to so water is having um, a reliable water supply to these hospitals was very important. What does this mean for the patients now that they have these facilities? The patients have the facility also. The, the good thing is that not only the patients, but the healthcare provi care providers themselves can provide care without infecting themselves or taking infection to their homes. But also there will be no cross, um, cross uh, um, infection among patients. Mitochondrial infection, where meaning infection acquired from the hospital. So the idea is that with water supply in the facility, everybody will adhere to infection prevention and control uh, protocols, washing hands in particular before you touch the next patient. That way you don't transfer infection from one patient to the other. With all this work that JSI did for the uh, Liberian health system, how do you think this will affect Liberians in the future? The work done before Ebola survived, before the Ebola outbreak definitely build a foundation for the health system strengthening. Um, as I said earlier, the, uh, the Ebola outbreak, of course, derailed their, their achievements. But building on that, with the resources that GSI, APC GSI received from USAID for Ebola survivors care, we were able to leverage that, the resources to also help build the system. So that will be sustained beyond the project. The project 
with that project, we were able to help Ebola survivors themselves organize themselves in a way that they can now advocate for themselves beyond our project. The facilities that we were able to do, um, infrastructure support, those systems will still be in place. The water supply, for instance, in those two hospitals that did not have reliable water supply, those will continue to be there. They um, were able to help health facilities or establish triages to help control the inflow into the hospital so that infection prevention and control could be managed appropriately. So the project was short, but the resources were utilized in a way that it helped to expand the healthcare system, the healthcare delivery system, and build capacity within the system. I imagine it's been very difficult working in a country like Liberia. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of challenges you ran into? Well, we had challenges from the Ebola survivors themselves and just getting uh, collaboration from other implementing partners in support of the Ebola survivors. Um, the survivors network did not understand the objective of our project. As a result, they expected this health project to also provide livelihood, provide education support, and all of that. And because we could not do those, that created a lot of friction between the project staff and the Ebola survivors. That was a major challenge. The other uh, challenge is there was very little input from the government into sustaining the project or the, the activities that the project was implementing. For instance, the National Ebola Survivor Secretariat. Regrettably, the government was not able to sustain that secretariat or maintain that secretariat. As a result, even though they took one of the individuals into one of the units, one of the staff into one of the units, but the activities with the survivors cannot continue without additional support. So that is what well, that was a challenge, and I think that is the drawback for the project. Um, the other challenge was that other government agencies who were expected to cover the other needs of Ebola survivors did not step up. So survivors took that as being that USAID provided the money to JSI to cover everything, which was not the case. So that created a lot of challenge for us. What are the areas of greatest need in your view? You mean for Ebola survivors? In general. Oh, the health system. Well, the health system, because of the setback, the derating that uh, happened in during the Ebola outbreak, a lot still needs to be done. And um, the movement of staff, the, the rapid turnover of staff has been the major concern because you build capacity at in one of the departments or units or at the county health team level. And within a few days or within a year or two, they move or the individuals move. And then you have to start all over to build the capacity. So that is a concern. 
And I think that's something that the government really need to think about seriously. Because if they continue to have the rapid staff turnover, they will keep trying to build the system. So that is an area of concern. And how do you think we could help support that? Well, we are having discussion with the ministry. So we are hoping that there is a, there is a bilateral that's being bid on now. We are hoping that we win, and if we do, our plan is to work with the ministry to establish a system where trained staff, for instance, at the county level, all will not be removed in any time or in a one time, so that there is always a continuity of the individuals who were trained. Not some will be there that others can learn from and continue to build on what was taught. Thank you very much, Rose. I appreciate your time coming here today. Thank you. It was my pleasure, and I hope that we can continue to do more for Liberia. Thank you. Thank you.